Good morning. I'll give you just a moment to get back to your seat. I am excited this morning. You all can have a seat. Good morning. I have the joy of walking beside families and their children as your children and recreation minister here at Second Baptist Church. And I just wanted to invite you all as a church to celebrate with us as we give our, present our Bibles to our first graders. So if uh, you are a participating family, if you would at this time, come on up here on the stage and, and uh, join me. Come and stand be behind me right here in a line across the front of the stage, in the center of the stage, if you wouldn't mind. Come on up here and make your way up here right now. Um, so now for some of these kids, it may not be their very first Bible. Um, however, these kids will still remember this moment in their lives when they received this Bible that they will receive today. And they will open the front cover and they will be able to see and remember the times whenever they received this Bible and whenever their parents wrote that very special message uh, to them in, their, in the front of their Bibles. And they will know the significance of God's Word. And they'll know uh, what it means to us and how it speaks to our lives. I wanted to read a couple of verses of scripture to you that highlights why we do this and why this is so important. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may thoroughly be equipped for every good work. And in Hebrews 4, Chapter, uh, chapter 4, verse 12 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing the soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So I met with these families just a few weeks ago, and we talked about uh, we talked about these things and what the word penetrates means. It means to go inside, to, to go inside of our, even our bones, in, uh, in our soul. And the things in God's word, the things that he has given us, uh, should penetrate us. It should go in, into our, our very soul. And uh, one thing that we talked about, and it is true for all of us here today, and that is, how should we treat God's word? How should we treat this Bible that we're about to receive? You see, whenever you guys open your Bible for the very first time, the pages might stick together, and it's going to, you flip the pages, and it smells good like a new book. And, but we don't want to keep it that way. I want you guys to use your Bible. I want you guys to get out a pen and write notes in it. I want you guys to know that you can get a highlighter and highlight uh, passages that are important to you. When Brother Kevin preaches or I teach in children's church on Wednesdays, highlight those things and make notes in it. I, I want you to take care of it. Um, is the back seat of mom and dad's car a really good place to keep your Bible? Probably not. No, probably not. But uh, it's a good thing for us to carry it to church with us and to make notes in and not to mistreat, but to use it and to break it in and to um, to be able to write notes in it so we remember those things. 
So I have a few words that I want to leave these parents and then the kids in saying, uh, the parents, if you would, turn to your child right now, and if you would, repeat after me, repeat these words. You are my child, and I am very proud of you. You are a wonderful creation of God. who is fearfully and wonderfully made. God has a special plan for your life. A plan for hope and a future. May this book be a lamp unto your feet. May it penetrate your soul. May it teach you, correct you, and train you to be the very person God longs for you to be. We love you and present to you your very own Bible. And you can give that to your child now if you would. And kids, if you would take your Bible and face your mom and dad and repeat these words after me. I receive this Bible as God's word for me. I will strive to know and understand it. And through it, know God. May it shape my character Penetrate my soul, direct my decisions, shepherd my heart, and be a source of truth, and lead my life. This is my Bible. Right, give, give him a hand. Kids, in the front of your Bible, uh, your parents have probably written a little note or a little bit of scripture verse in your Bible, but before you take a look at that, I know it's, it's so tempting. Go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> Let's pray together. And church, if you would, join us in prayer. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word and the salvation that it speaks of. And help us to learn all about your salvation and help us to accept you as our Savior. And as we see these kids um, accepting your word as a standard for, li your, for our lives, I just pray that you would bless our lives. Empower these parents as they help their kids to know more about you and walk with you. And I pray that you would continue, um, help us to continue to be a lifelong follower of you. I pray that you're, you would bless these parents as they choose to follow you and to raise their kids to know you. And I pray that you would just give them strength that they will need. I pray that you would just bless this morning and bless these copies of your word. I just pray that you would um, help them to know it and study it and to fall in love with it. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's, uh, let's pray this morning. God, we thank you so much that you are... <laughs> 
our portion. You're our salvation. Lord, you're our deliverance. Uh, we thank you for the forgiveness of sins. We thank you for the blood that was shed on Calvary. We thank you for your word, this opportunity to get into your word and to partake of the Lord's Supper today. And we pray as we do that you would move in a mighty way, that you would draw us to yourself and remind us, God, of your love for us, uh, that you love us, you couldn't love us more, couldn't love us less, God. We thank you for unconditional love that's flowing down from heaven. And Lord, today uh, we pray that our hearts, our souls would be deeply impacted as we partake of the bread, as we partake of the cup, and are reminded of how much you love us, Lord. God, we pray all this in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. You can be seated, and I'm going to lead us in a time of devotion around God's Word, and then the team's going to come back out and uh, lead us in a time of preparation for the Lord's Supper this morning. Don't you appreciate Gary uh, leading us uh, in Brian's stead this morning, amen, and this uh, wonderful team here while Brian and Melissa are away on, on retreat this morning. Well, we gather this morning to partake of the Lord's Supper, to celebrate the Lord's Supper. And as we like to remind you, um, if you're a baptized believer in Christ, we, we welcome you to partake of the Lord's Supper with us. Even if you're not a member of Second Baptist Church, uh, we'd just be delighted if you uh, experienced in the Lord's Supper with us together this morning. Um, this, is a, this is a time for us to really just kind of push pause, kind of push the pause button on our life to slow down a little bit. It's a time where we're called away from the trivial things in life and we're just called to fix our eyes upon Jesus and just remember His love and remember uh, His sacrifice. We're, we're in a hurry. We're in a hurry these days. We're, we're moving really, really fast. Someone has said that our American culture is long overdue for a speeding ticket. And uh, I think we see every day how life just gets to moving faster and faster all the time. There's a lot of cultural examples of how we're just, we're just moving too fast. We're getting more and more impatient. We want things to be quicker uh, all the time. One of the examples that uh, we're just moving, moving way too fast is uh, studies show that uh, with each given year, uh, we're willing to wait less and less time for that that internet page to load up and so we're checking out uh, a lot faster with each given year we don't want to wait that few seconds many times for that page to load and by the way look at how far we've come how many of you by raise of hands remember the old dial-up internet back in the days raise your hands all right it's amazing we used to sit through that right and now a lot of people are not willing to wait three four Five seconds for a page to load on the internet. The fast food industry are giving us signs that we're moving way too fast. Fast food used to be a pretty cool thing, right, when it came around. Well, now we see indications that fast food is not fast enough. Uh, more and more fast food restaurants are giving me and you an option to order at home or to have an app that we can order at home so we don't have to wait on our fast food, that we can get our fast food when we get there. And folks, we got a problem when our fast food's not fast enough, all God's people said. Amen. 
the board game industry is showing signs that we're moving way too fast, that we're way too impatient. And there's great effort spent every year to make our board games go by a whole lot faster. Hasbro, uh, a leading uh, a company in the game industry, uh, recently, over the last few years, has uh, begun releasing Express games, the Monopoly Express, the, 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 the Scrabble Express, the Sorry Express. Interesting, interestingly enough, church, they've also managed to quicken the game of life. Did you know that? By implementing a Visa card to replace the more cumbersome cash and a life pod that electronically tracks the game. Analysts say the games are targeted for quick resolution and those who want to play a game and have the game resolved in about 20 minutes, which is more compatible with our reduced attention spans. The impacts of a faster, faster, faster life, of getting what we want now, will have dramatic negative consequences, I believe, in our lives and across our nation. And in my opinion, my humble opinion this morning, we are moving way too fast. We're in too big of a hurry. Our plates are too full. And all the more necessary for us to open the Word of God this morning, to push pause to pull ourselves back from the cares of this world and to fix our eyes on Jesus. Luke chapter 22, if you have a Bible, will just be our devotion this morning before we prepare to get into the Word of God. Uh, Luke chapter 22 is, uh, verse 14, is a passage where Jesus is sitting down with His disciples, His last supper with them. Uh, It was a traditional Passover feast. Remembering the Israelites' deliverance out of Egypt. But Jesus took this Passover feast and he poured new meaning into it. Taking bread, taking the cup, and using them as symbols of his own body and his own blood, which would soon be shed for their sins. Luke twenty-two fourteen through 20 says, When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I've eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. And after taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it. And gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Now, church, I want you to notice this morning how the Lord's Supper reminds us of the sacrifice of Christ. For you see, the birth and the life and the death of Christ, they were all about sacrifice. I want you to notice in verse 19 of your Bible, in reference to the bread, the the body, Jesus says, this is my body given for you. In reference to the cup, verse 20, Jesus says, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. 
The Holy Spirit led Matthew in his gospel to record the words of Jesus at this supper as well. And Matthew related how Jesus said in Matthew 26 and 28, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. You see, there at the cross, Jesus died for every sin that those disciples would ever commit. Every sin that these disciples would ever commit, Jesus paid for those sins on the cross. Jesus on the cross paid for Thomas's doubt, for Peter's denial, for Judas' betrayal, for the disciples' squabble on the road to the cross about which one was the greatest. And my friend, you can be sure that that sin, your sin, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter how ugly it is, you can be sure that Jesus died for your sin as well this morning. There at the cross, Jesus paid the debt that I owed God. And the Lord's Supper is meant to help those disciples, help us as disciples remember God's love. This memorial is meant to be a holy and a, a sacred time, reflecting upon the cross and remembering this sacrifice. In fact, if you look in verse 19 of your Bible, I want you to notice the word remembrance. This do or do this in remembrance of me. We know that by believing in Jesus, by trusting in Jesus, we're saved from sins. We're, we're, we're heaven's purchased on our behalf. We're impacted eternally. But this command, look with me in verse 19, this command to remember the cross, to remember the suffering of Christ, I believe strongly expresses as to how the cross should not only impact our eternity, but the cross should impact our now, our today, this moment, this life. Remember, go back, spiritually travel right to the cross and be impacted today, right now, right where you're at by His love for you and by His sacrifice for you and by the fact that He shed His blood for you you. It's supposed to impact our life. The cross is supposed to impact my life. That's why the Apostle Paul writes to the, the church at Corinth in their practice of the Lord's Supper because they were, they were coming divided and prideful and selfish and, and they were coming and, and they were lifting up lives that were not being impacted by the cross. We're to be impacted now and we're to be impacted forever by the cross. This morning, each time we gather, look at it as a pushing pause on our life. It's a slowing down. It's a taking time to remember, a taking time to reflect. Will you do that this morning? Will you stop thinking about the Thanksgiving meal list for a moment? Will you stop thinking about where are we going to go for lunch today? Would you stop thinking about the bills that you're not certain how you're going to pay right now? Would you stop thinking about that concern about your health or that unresolved place in your life and just can we just set those things aside for just a moment and just fix our eyes on Jesus? Trust Him, worship Him, call on Him, love Him.
The Bible teaches we're to be impacted by Calvary. Romans 5 and 8, it'll be on the screen here for you. Romans 5 and 8 says that God demonstrates His love for us in this. While we were still sinners, before we got right, amen somebody? Before we cleaned ourselves up, as we were, while we were still messed up, while we were still broken, Jesus died for us. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 15 is writing about his passion for the ministry that God has given him and how much he loves the Corinthians. And he says, for Christ's love compels us. In other words, it, it drives us, it motivates us irresistibly. For Christ's love compels us because we're convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised to life again. What's the point of this verse of scripture? Well, the point's this. The death of Christ. The sacrifice of Christ should humble us, should break us, should change us, should drive us to live for Him. It should drive us to say, take the world, but give me Jesus. Have you been impacted by His sacrifice? Impacted by Calvary? How has He, how is He changing your life this morning? Is he impacting how you treat others, how you live, the decisions you make, the choices you make? Are you being impacted by Calvary? Do you know? Do you care? Are you impacted by his sacrifice for you this morning? There's an incredible true story of sacrifice that has been passed down to us from many years ago. It's a heartbreaking story, but it's one that I believe paints a small picture of what God did for us on the cross. It's shared by Max Lucado in one of his books, and he shares about a difficult decision that was made by a man named John Griffith, a decision that he made while working on the edge of the Mississippi River years ago. John's job was to operate one of those big uh, railroad bridges that crossed the mighty river. Well, one day John brought his eight-year-old son Greg to work with him to just see what daddy did all day. The little boy was wide-eyed with excitement as he watched with wonderment the huge boats floating down the Mississippi. Twelve o'clock came and his father put up the bridge. There were no trains due for a good while and they went out a couple of hundred feet on a catwalk out over the river to an observation deck. They sat down, they opened their brown bags and began to eat lunch and time just whirled by and suddenly they were drawn instantly back to reality by the shrieking of a distant train whistle. John Griffith quickly looked at his watch and he saw that it was time for the 107, the Memphis Express with 400 passengers on board. It would be rushing across that bridge in just a couple of minutes and the bridge wasn't down. He knew that he had just enough time, so without panic, but with great urgency, he told his son to stay where he was. 
he leapt to his feet, jumped to the catwalk, ran back, climbed the ladder to the control room, went in, put his hand on the huge lever that controlled the bridge, looked up and down the river to see if any boats were coming, as was his custom, and then looked down to see if there were any beneath the bridge. And suddenly he saw a sight that froze his blood and caused his heart to leap up into his throat. His boy. His boy had tried to follow him to the control room and had fallen into the great huge gearbox that had those monstrous gears that operated the massive bridge. Well, at this point, unfortunately, there was no time to spare. And this father knew that to engage the bridge would be to endanger his son's life. But to not engage the bridge would mean for certain that 400 people would perish. His eyes filled with tears of panic. His mind whirled. What could he do? What would you do? There were 400 people on board whose lives were in danger, but this was his son. John Griffith chose in that desperate moment to lower the drawbridge to provide safe passage for those passengers. But in that act, his son's life was lost. As John reflected back on this tragedy, he recalled with great pain and agony looking down into the train while it passed safely over the bridge where he was able to see into those train cars. Men reading the afternoon paper. A conductor in uniform looking at a large vest pocket watch. Ladies sipping tea out of teacups and little children pushing long spoons into plates of ice cream. John recalled how nobody looked to the control room. Nobody looked at his tears. Nobody, nobody looked to that great gearbox where his son lay. In heart-wrenching agony, he recalled how nobody knew. Nobody seemed to care that he had given up his son for them while they safely disappeared across the river. The Bible teaches that our God is a triune God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And that church, God the Father gave His only Son to rescue and redeem and save us through the power of the Holy Spirit from our sins. Let us live like we know it. Let us live grateful. And let us lead lives that are impacted both now and forever by what Jesus, the Son of God, has done in giving His life willingly for our sins. Let's pray. Lord God, as our praise team makes their way out and we prepare to just lift up a simple chorus. Lord, I need you. Uh, Lord, how incredibly true that is. Uh, Lord, we, we need you. We need your grace and we need your mercy. Lord, we need your forgiveness. We need the cross. God, we thank you that you came and you lived and you died, and you rose again so that we could be forgiven of our sins, so that we could know that heaven's our home, so that we don't have to worry 
God, where we're going to spend eternity. We can know, Lord, that when our life's over, we're going to be safely in the arms of Jesus. God, as we partake of this supper, as we take the bread, and God, as we take the cup, Lord, I pray that you would move upon our hearts in a mighty way and that we would just be more thankful and we'd be more grateful than ever before. God, as we enter into this, uh, this week of thanksgiving ahead of us, we're, we're so thankful for all your many blessings, for food on the table, Lord, for clean drinking water, for warm homes when it's cold outside, shelter and clothing, Lord, for friends and for family. But Lord, at the top of every one of our lists this Thanksgiving, as to what we're thankful for, Lord, it's got to be that we're thankful for Jesus and we're thankful for your sacrifice and we're thankful for salvation. We're moving this way in a mighty way during this time. Lord, as we lift up hearts to you, purify us, cleanse us, prepare us to receive this supper. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen.